They also said that they were not trusting of traditional markets. The majority of black Americans are not trusting of the stock market. And they prefer crypto. Again, I personally think that is a phenomenal thing. <laughs> majority of folks don't think so. Because everything that could be said about crypto, I can say about the stock market. It's a Ponzi. Well, where's the value? Well, it's volatile. Well, it's manipulated. Well, all markets are all of those things. This is what I've been saying, the three L's, listen, learn, and lead. The advisors that do that are the advisors that are going to win. The value of bespoke advice has never been higher. You're listening to Coindesk's On Purpose with Tyrone Ross. An infrastructure, money movement, security. security. The wealth management space is not set up to deal with the client of the future. And man, is that an incredible opportunity. A licensed investment advisor and powerful storyteller. Tyrone has a passion for digital assets and their ability to disrupt our current way of life. How do I protect myself? How do I protect my firm? How do I protect my clients? The show is for advisors by advisors. Advise on purpose in the arising realm of Bitcoin and cryptocurrency. And just a reminder, Coindesk is a news source and does not provide investment advice. And now, Tyrone Ross. Welcome back to another episode of the On Purpose podcast. I am your host, Tyrone Ross, reporting live from Miami. I'm at the ETF Exchange Conference. If you are anyone who is anyone in the fintech space, you are here live at the Fountain Blue. Beautiful location. For those of you that know Collins Ave in Miami, it's all happening here. Lots of great panels. Cool to see what folks are working on and what folks are building. So the purpose of this podcast will be simple. It is April. If you know me, you follow me at all on social media, know me personally, you know that financial education is something that is near and dear to my heart and it's Financial Literacy Month. And I planned to do a talk about this. And it's interesting sitting here in Florida as well. Florida just announced that it's going to be required now to pass a personal finance course in order to graduate in the state of Florida. This is something that all states should be required, should be required in all 50 states. So salute to Florida, the effort that is going to go behind that. That is also something I will bring up during my conversation. I am down here to interview the mayor of Miami-Dade, and I will bring that up. So with financial literacy, and this is a good place to say, I have stopped using financial literacy because I think it's become a trope and a stigma almost where financial literacy, air quote, is for those people, the less thans, the other folks. And when you say financial education, no one really argues with that. It's all encompassing. No one has to have a beef with financial education. Everyone agrees that financial education is something that everyone needs and everyone deserves and everyone should have access to. So I've stopped saying financial literacy. I say financial education. I think it's really important as part of the marketing and the terms and, and the jargon in financial services, I think needs to change for one, so we could bring more people into the space. So with it being Financial Education Month, with the announcement that Florida is making personal finance required to graduate, and also the main reason for this podcast is the announcement that Charles Schwab and Ariel Investments put out. They do a, a report on investor behavior and investor study, contrasting black and white investors. 
And the report that they put out this year had some insights that were very illuminating. Shout to everyone that was on the hash. I was on the hash this week talking about this exact thing, but I'll be able to expound a little bit here. So the report basically details the contrast between black investors and white investors, where they invest, how they invest, their outlook on the market. They've been doing this for a while. And in the previous report last year, in the middle of the pandemic, it showed that there are a lot of investors coming into the markets for the first time to invest. And I thought that was phenomenal. And again, if you know anything about Ariel Investments, and Ariel is a very prominent Black-led firm, John Rogers, Melody Hobson, very prominent firm. If you don't know them, look them up. And everyone knows Charlie Schwab. So they've been doing this report for a while. And what caught headlines this year is the amount of Black Americans that let them know, as part of the study, that they are now investing in crypto. So a couple things here to go across the board. 25% of Black Americans overall are investing in crypto. 38%, that number jumps to 38% if you look at those under 40. Those, to me, are staggering numbers. Why? Well, it is proof positive that this is a demographics play. It is very much the millennial Gen Z story, right? The oldest millennials are 40, so those 40 and under. So your oldest millennials, youngest millennials, and your oldest Gen Z. This is something that I've been saying for a really long time. To accentuate that point, for years as a black man and as a financial advisor, I've been trying to get the African-American community to invest at all, period, in anything. And it has been futile. It has been very hard to get them to invest. Investing was something that was for those people or they didn't trust or, you know, they didn't really want to spend the time to learn. But boy, did that change in 2017. And when we had that run up in crypto, I heard from everybody and they did not care. And they, to this day, still want to know, right? I got a text from my niece this morning that her daddy wants to know about internet money. And this is someone that couldn't be farther from investing, but he now wants to know about speaking to a financial advisor and crypto. This is incredibly important. It signifies so much. So across the spectrum, African-Americans have been coming into crypto in waves. I think that is phenomenal. Do I think financial education should be paired with it 100%? And I will get to that. But for right now, think that Black Americans coming into crypto and coming into crypto in mass is a phenomenal thing. And the fact that they are skipping over the stock market, I think is a good thing too. Because by the way, let's go back and look at the numbers here. Stock market has been around since what, the 1600s or so? When, by the way, the first commodity sold in this country were, guess it, slaves. Yes, slaves. Slaves built Wall Street. They turned around and sold them for all of their hard work. So the 1600s. It is now 2022, and almost half the country invests in stocks. So we've done a really bad job in traditional financial services of getting the majority of people to invest in the markets. And when you look at the majority of those that invest, they fit a certain profile, and that profile is not African-American. So as the point that I'm trying to get at here is the allure of crypto is inherently, air quote, diverse representative, equitable, fair. 
This is what people care about. This is why they are driven to it because they don't have to go to a broker. They don't need an advisor. I can just do it on my phone. I can open an account. It takes three minutes and now I'm able to invest. Whether you think that's good or bad, that's not what this is about. But everyone doing something for the first time haven't been good at it. You burn your mouth on a slice of pizza, you blow on it the next time. But the allure is the pizza, the heat, the temperature I worry about later. And you pay a price for that. And I tell folks this all the time. For me personally, I was the first in my family to finish high school and I went to college and I got kicked out of college and I learned the hard way. Should I have not gone to college and experienced that because no one had ever gone in my family before? Of course not. Someone has to be the first over the wall. Now, if you dig deeper into that report, now some of the things that could be concerning is a very speculative, volatile market, which the crypto market still is. Some of the expectations and black investors were saying that they expected 20% return. Ho, ho, the blasphemy. If you are a traditional financial advisor or CFA or CFP and you went to Wharton and had 20% returns, how dare you? How dare you expect 20% return? Well, if this is all I know, if I grew up poor and all I know is poor, I don't know I'm poor until I get around people who have. Oh, I had no idea. You have running water. <laughs> you have two bathrooms, right? You have two cars. That's rich. But if all I'm around are people who are like me, that's all I know. So if everyone around me is getting 20%, if everyone around me is getting more than that, I think it's being conservative to expect 20%. Will that be an expectation moving forward? Don't know. But that is where we get into financial education. And you say, hey, you get it into crypto and it's fast paced and it's all these high returns. But you know, traditionally what markets yield over the lifespan of, again, a 10, 20, 50 year time frame? This is where you take folks back to square one and you give them an education on markets, which leads me to the next part of that, where in the report, they also said that they were not trusting of traditional markets. The majority of black Americans are not trusting of the stock market. And they prefer crypto. Again, I personally think that is a phenomenal thing. <laughs> majority of folks don't think so. Because everything that could be said about crypto, I can say about the stock market. It's a Ponzi. Well, where's the value? Well, it's volatile. Well, it's manipulated. Well, all markets are all of those things. And yes, has the stock market been around longer? Sure. Are you investing in companies with discounted cash flows and you know, gross margins and all of these things and big TAMs? And yes, 100%. But the same thing can be said for crypto. So you can't have one without the other, right? Six of one, half a dozen of the other. But it's just a group that has grown up into building wealth and investing is how they started. If you started in stocks, you love the stock market. If you started in bonds, you love bonds. If you started in real estate, you love real estate. If you started in baseball cards, you love collectibles. If you started in art, you love art. This is just how it works. Try to separate anyone from how they made their money or how they got exposed to something for the first time. This bleeds into where financial education comes in. The proverbial throwing the baby out with the bathwater. Just because I started to invest differently than you or through a different vehicle or through a different investment doesn't mean that we don't have some similarities. It doesn't mean that everyone can't learn about monetary and fiscal policy, about banks, about the Federal Reserve, about how money is created, about how money is made, protected, transferred. 
about saving, about the core tenets of investing, about compound interest, the rule of 72. These are all things that everyone can learn, no matter where you start. And why I say crypto is great because it's impossible to really dig into crypto, to fall down the rabbit hole and not have to go back good old, now do not pass go and go back to the beginning and learn about finance, to learn about cryptography, to learn about history, to learn about, again, monetary fiscal policy, to learn about investing in different asset classes, expected returns, realized returns, capital gains, taxes. It's forced on you. And no matter where you start to invest, it's forced on you, right? That's those videos we see all the time where folks go to work and they get their first check and it's the good old joke, well, who is FICA? You learn and you only learn by doing. And when you do, guess what you do? You make mistakes. You fall, you fail, you get up, you learn, you do it better the next time. And then the people that comes behind you, you say, hey, hey, this is what I did. This is what I did. Don't do that. Do this. And I, protect, and I have these guardrails now so we can do this. I made all my money in crypto, but I learned this thing called diversification. And then I started to diversify. Now I own some stock. And now I also own some real estate. And now I, I keep a little bit in cash, this diversification thing. Money is made through concentration. It is preserved. Through diversification is one of the things that I do agree with Warren Buffett and Charlie Munger about is high concentration builds a lot of wealth. Diversification or diversification <laughs> only comes after you have something to diversify. If I make all my money in McDonald's stock because I work at McDonald's and I started on the fries and now I'm the CEO and I have $20 million of my net worth in McDonald's stock, you know what an advisor is going to tell me? You should diversify away from McDonald's stock, maybe into Wendy's, maybe into airline, maybe into oil and gas, who knows? So if I walk into an advisor's office and I have $20 million of Bitcoin or $20 million of Ethereum or $20 million of USDC or $20 million in Avalanche or Dogecoin or whatever, you know what a financial advisor is going to tell me? You need to diversify. So anything that could be said about traditional markets and those core tenets of learning could be done in crypto. It's just the access that is different. It is the meaning behind it, the social justice movement, if you will, of a group of people that have been left out or ignored by traditional finance. Look at the largest group. You know who owns more crypto as a group than black Americans? Hispanics. Hispanics, blacks. You know who else owns a lot of crypto? The LGBTQ community. You know who else owns a lot of crypto? Women, minority women. There's a theme here. These are all people, if I look at this conference that I'm at right now, aren't really represented here. It's homogeneous. So now there's this rebellion over the seed. It's over the horizon, if you will, that I can see. I want to be a part of that because I get to cut out everyone that I think was in the way of me investing in the first place. And I could walk into the salon. I could walk into the barbershop. I could walk into church. I can get on the bus. I can go into the grocery store. I could be at a family cookout. And we could sound like idiots about talking about Bitcoin together and no one is judging the other one. And you're going to show me on my phone how to do it through Cash App. No one's talking to me about Roth IRAs and backdoor Roth conversions and capital gains. And that'll come later. But for right now, just give me an opportunity. Just let me get a taste. That's what that report showed to me. I'm not concerned and I'm not worried at all because I know I'm on the front lines and I know the importance of financial education. But I do know this. I did a TED talk on it. Three things. Expose, educate, empower. Do not educate me until you expose me. 
Don't do it. I don't care what you know until I know how much you care. You cared enough to tell me that I'm screaming at you that I'm thirsty, but the water was behind me. Thank you. And then you also tell me, hey, you know what you can do in that water? You can bathe in that water. You can fish in that water. You could put some of that water in a bucket and you could take it to other thirsty people too. You know what that's called? That's education. And then the empowerment part is, hey, there's this path that's a shortcut to everyone else like you that's thirsty. And by the way, here's some buckets. And if you walk two minutes that way, there's this waterfall where the water will fall literally into your village. Exposure, education, empowerment. So when you expose people to better, when you educate them on how to be better and empower them to continue to be better, I don't care whether it's Bitcoin or cow hooves. I say this all the time. Cow dung, doesn't matter. It's very important that everyone gets a fair shot. Everyone gets an opportunity to be a part of. Everyone gets an opportunity to be all inclusive, to build communities. There's a reason why they call Bitcoin digital religion, because it is. It absolutely is. The biggest market, the biggest brand, it's the oldest, the most lindy of the crypto assets. That is important because as human beings, we are tribal. We move in packs and herds. Oh, you're doing it too? Okay, okay, great. We have a familiarity. And not to continue to expound on this point, but this is one of the things where I say, if you talk about community banking, if you talk about helping one another and group savings accounts and susus, right? Again, I bring this up often, shout to all my Caribbeans. Then it's very easy for you to understand why this is all happening. It is digital and monetary community banking on the blockchain. But I digress. I am going to end there. Great report. Or read it. Ariel Investments and Charles Schwab put it out. Uh, we'll link to it in the show notes. So again, you know, consensus is coming. See everybody in Austin, Texas, June 9th through the 12th. Sign up for the Crypto for Advisors newsletter. We're going to be adding some new folks to the Investor Advisory Committee soon. And lastly, if you found any value in this whatsoever, nokidhungry.org, help me help Coindesk end child hunger in this country. I will see you all on the next one. Stay tuned. We got some fantastic and huge guests coming up. I appreciate y'all. You're listening to On Purpose with Tyrone Ross. Today's show is produced, edited, and announced by Michelle Mousseau with additional production support from Eleanor Paul. Our theme song is Walk With Swag. If you have any questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Please reach out to us at podcasts at coindesk.com, subject line, On Purpose, or leave us a review on your favorite podcast player. Thanks for listening.